This is Jackson Peterson, and I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Ag Services in Humboldt, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network, CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Good morning, farm news on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Don Wick with Randy Coonan in studio. We'll have an update from Whitney Pittman as well. As of Sunday, 93% of the U.S. corn crop is in the bin. That's up from 88% last week. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey says conditions were ripe for fall field work. So for Michigan, North Dakota, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, all of those five states reporting double-digit harvest progress during the week. 95% of the winter wheat is planted, up 2% from a week ago. 87% of the winter wheat has emerged, up 6%. Well, it's too early to determine if the fall fertilizer season has been a success, but Stonex fertilizer specialist Josh Linville is looking at positive trends. We're hearing a lot of good phosphate and potash demand. Sounds like farmers are really putting it down on the ground. Maybe not quite as low a price as what they wanted, but when you compare it to last spring of 22, phenomenal values. And grain prices are holding up to a certain extent. And Hydra sounds like it's pretty good. Some southern states are still a little too warm, but so far everything is indicating it should be a very, very good fall run. And Linville is recommending farmers discuss their 2024 crop plan with their ag retailers. We can sit there and say, listen, we don't want to take the price risk. We'll need it as a retailer. And they're seeing the logistical issues. And like I said, there's a lot of stuff that needs to be done before we get to next spring to get that application period going. I'm not saying that we need to go to the retailer and just buy whatever they tell you to buy and you know give them all the information, but we need to have those conversations because the more information they have from you, the better they can plan to have product in place for when you need it. So I understand for some, that's a little bit of an adversarial relationship. I, I think we need to look at it more as a partnership. This, this supply chain, it needs help. So hopefully people will take that advice and have a few more conversations. The Creighton University Rural Main Street Index has dropped to its lowest level in three years. This survey of bank CEOs in a 10-state region found farmland values are holding strong, but the growth in those prices has slowed. Higher borrowing costs has had a negative impact on farm equipment purchases. The Business Confidence Index in October dropped to its lowest level since this survey began in January of 2006. Meeting was held yesterday in Bijou, Minnesota to gauge interest and inform others about a court case between the White Earth Nation and a Monoman County farmer. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Whitney Pittman has the story. Dave Vipond applied for a permit for an irrigation system in March of this year. We applied for a permit from the state DNR to irrigate part of our farm out of the Wild Rice River. The DNR drug their feet on the permit and, and finally issued the permit in August. And the day after they issued it, the tribe drove in my yard and summoned me to court because they said I need a white earth tribal permit if I'm gonna irrigate out of the Wild Rice River. Uh, and it's private land, it's not tribal land. I farm right on the western edge of the White Earth Reservation, so I am actually where we were going to pump out of the river is right on the border of the reservation and, and Norman County. About 75 people attended yesterday's meeting, including landowners, local and state lawmakers, and representatives from congressional leaders. Vipond says this was a meeting to simply inform others of the situation he's dealing with, but that there seemed to be a strong interest in forming an organization to push back on this type of regulation. Well, the issues really aren't whether we irrigate or not. Our farmers will do fine if we don't irrigate it. 
Uh, it's really who has jurisdiction over the farming. We always assumed it was the state of Minnesota. We've always complied with state rules. And now all of a sudden the tribe is coming and say they trumped the state of Minnesota on in a, in a five mile radius outside of the borders of the reservation. There's, there's potential impact for a lot of farmers. And, and if, uh, if this goes the wrong direction and no one stands up and, and makes them accountable to this, uh, we could lose a bunch of rights as farmers. Other farmers spoke during the meeting who have had similar experiences. Reporting Agriculture's Business, I'm Whitney Pittman on the Red River Farm Network. Prairie's Edge Ag Services' Tanner Thompson says while rain has caused harvest delays around that Sabin, Minnesota area this fall, it is helpful moisture. I think guys have done pretty well with it. it, uh, it it's kind of a, a blessing and a curse at the same time. We certainly would have taken it during the growing season, but we will certainly take it to build up the moisture bank for next year. All this moisture we get now soaks right in before freeze-up, so that's it, it's definitely not a negative. It's just kind of a little bit of a downside for field work. Thompson says plans for 2024 are already underway. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Tuesday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. A one-year farm bill extension gives Congress time to finish its important legislation. CHS Director of Federal Affairs, Will Stafford, would like to see the bill wrapped up early in the year. Any farm bill is difficult to get across the finish line, and it's certainly difficult in an election year. Um, we'll have to see as we get closer to an election and, and polls, uh, you know, start start coming out a little more firmly for control of the House and the Senate, what that could do. Um, but I will say, I, I think we still have the leadership in place in both the House and the Senate Ag Committees to, uh, to get something across the finish line. Margins are razor thin in both chambers, so bipartisanship will be a must. You're going to lose a few folks, <laughs> no matter what, on a farm bill. Uh, and, and I know Chairman Thompson understands that he's going to need um, um, he's going to need Democrat input, um, and he's been very open about seeking that and, and, um, and gathering that. Um, on the flip side in the Senate, um, you still need 60 votes to get something done. Democrats obviously do not have a 60-vote supermajority, uh, so just like the last bill, um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be bipartisan. Um, that's just the nature of it, and um, you know our system was set up that way for a reason, uh, and folks will have to come together. The Republicans have 222 seats in Congress, while the Democrats have 213. In the Senate, there's a 50-50 split. A shift in just a few seats in either chamber next year will determine which party has the majority. American Sugarbeet Growers Association Executive Director Luther Markward sees an impact for farm policy. But with those margins so close, both the House and the Senate could flip. I mean, they're that close. Um, and we're seeing what's happening in the House right now when you've got such thin margins. Uh, it's, it's oftentimes difficult to govern. And that's just the product of what we're trying to live through and work through. And it's, it makes putting a farm bill uh, together rather difficult. Markworth says sugar policy will again be a point of contention during the farm bill debate. We always have a battle with our customers, unfortunately, but uh, you know they want more sugar into the marketplace, they want to lower prices, and obviously we're going to fight against that. They've somewhat taken a new tack like, oh, we don't want to get rid of the program, we just want to oversupply it and push prices down, and I understand their business perspective, but the fact of the matter is all of our costs have gone up. We've got to have a stronger safety net uh, if we're going to maintain uh, producers and our processing facilities. 
American Crystal Sugar Company beet stock values are trading at a new record high. Red River Land Company reporting 100 shares, selling at $5,850 a share. A year ago, beet stock was selling for $4,800. According to the latest Commitment of Traders report, funds remain very short corn and wheat. Minneapolis wheat is record short. Kansas City wheat near record short. Investors increase their net long positions in soybeans. A net long position suggests traders are betting on higher prices, while net short positions point to a lower futures price outlook. The soybean market continues to be supported by Brazil's weather. Ever Ag market analyst Bryce Windecker says the corn market is under pressure from a huge U.S. supply. All-time high uh, corn balance sheet coming up here, over 2.1 billion bushels of corn that uh, the USDA says we have on hand. And um, I think the part of the reason you don't see corn completely fall apart here is because of soybeans. You know, we've got a all-time high uh, soybean price-to-corn price ratio here hanging around at about 2.8 to 1. Typically, we see that between 2.5 uh, to 2 uh, to 1. And Windecker expects corn to have a Brazilian story this winter. If this weather uh, keeps being unruly in South America, we're going to see that spill over into the Safrina corn crop, which uh, would have, uh, affect their uh, corn uh, balance sheet down in South America. And they've already pulled it back a couple of percentage points on, uh, on total production just because of all those, uh, those planning issues going on there. The new president of Argentina plans to replace the peso with the U.S. dollar as its national currency. Javier Mille has promised to take its currency from out of circulation and strip the central bank from its ability to print money. Argentina has an inflation rate of 143 percent. That's the world's highest level. A quick reminder, you can get all your news and weather updates anytime by listening to the Red River Farm Network podcast. Go to rrfn.com. You can get it on most any place you get your podcast. This is the Red River Farm Network. Good morning. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. Ag Resource Company President Dan Posse says South American uncertainty supported the soybean market yesterday. Yeah, the bean market really came to life. Uh, everybody's trying to figure out what it means in terms of Mille's election to the Argentinian presidency. Uh, he's promised a lot of, uh, uh, let's call it experimental type of ideas, getting rid of the uh, Argentinian central bank, eliminating export taxes on grains. All of these kind of things is leaving people wondering. Nonetheless, however, it's still South American weather that's the key. And Brazil is just too warm and dry across the north, and that's what got buyers at least coming back after the weekend. And Bossi expects Brazil's late soybean planting to underpin the corn market. As you get Brazilian farmers, they really have three choices, which are to leave their less than, uh, let's say, uh, favorable soybean crop because of dryness over the past 45 days. Or they can, of course, tear it down and plant a new soybean crop. If they do that, then they're going to forego winter corn production. Or they can switch the soybean crop out to cotton. So those are the three choices. And in most cases, it leads to smaller safrina planting. And we would imagine that longer term, that puts a bid under the corn market. Milk production in the 24 major dairy states totaled 17.9 billion pounds, down a fraction of 1% from October of last year. South Dakota milk production was up 6.6%. Over the past year, South Dakota added 13,000 head to the state's cow herd. 
Minnesota milk output rose 0.3%. Their cow numbers were down 2,000 head from one year ago. So we check those markets. We have a bit of uh, green on the screen this morning. We're up two and three quarter cents for Minneapolis wheat. That D's contract's at 710. The March contract, 727, three higher. Chicago wheat for December, 545 and a quarter, one and three quarter higher. As we speak, KC wheat, three cents higher for the D's contract, 613 and a half. The December corn, 471 and a half, two cents higher, two and a quarter better for March. Soybeans for January, 1373, five and three quarter cents higher. And the March contract at 1388, that's four and three quarter cents higher. And we're seeing meal and oil going in different directions again. Meal uh, on the upside, soybean oil trading lower again in this overnight trade. As we check in on the farm calendar, the South Dakota Cattlemen's Association has its 75th anniversary convention and trade show. That'll be uh, next Tuesday, Wednesday, November 28th and 29th. Again, 75 years, a milestone convention for South Dakota cattlemen. That'll be held in Watertown, South Dakota. The North Dakota uh, Agribusiness uh, Association has its Agribusiness Expo coming up on Tuesday and Wednesday of next week. Uh, that will be held at the Avalon Event Center in Fargo. Uh, this is a show formerly held at the Fargo Dome. Uh, their speakers include uh, focus on Tuesday at uh, the fertilizer market, and they'll look at uh, what's going on in industry affairs uh, from a, a policy expert. And then on Wednesday of next week, a grain market update with Frank Olson from NDSU, Chad Hart from Iowa State, and Randy Martinson from Martinson Risk Management. Also, as we look in on the farm calendar, a canola symposium going on in Roseau on November 30th, Thursday, November 30th. That'll be held at the Roseau Community Center. That's what's happening. Have yourself a great Tuesday. This is the Red River Farm Network.